So welcome to Passionate Parenting. I'm really a, I'm, I'm a passionate mama. I am. And I'm going to share with you why here in a little while. But um, I just want to say good morning. And I'm just so glad all of you are here. So many wonderful, beautiful women that are either raising children right now or are maybe preparing to, or maybe you already have and you have grandchildren. So I'm just so thankful for all of you. And I'm just going to do my best to share my heart. I'm just Tiffany. I'm not like this like speaker that goes around it. You know what I mean? I'm just your friend. Um, I'm just a mom that has struggled just like you have. And, but I have had God to help me through. Um, so God's given me a lot to share. So we're just going to like dive in. Okay. And I hope it doesn't feel too much like rapid fire on you guys, but he did give me a lot. So I'm just going to go for it and we'll see if we have time to get it all in. And I really hope we do. And I'm believing we do because I feel like what he's given me is um, what I'm supposed to say. And there's so much to say about parenting. When I started studying for this, I'm like, oh, I need like 10 classes or something to be able to do this, you know? And so it was really, really hard to like bring it in. So I had to really lean on the Lord and say, God, like, what do you want me to share on this day? You know, and I, he definitely, um, he came through. I even had Abby. Where are you at, Abby? Oh, there you go. There's Abby. Yes. Love it. Right, right up front. I love it. Um, no. <laughs> But Abby even came to me with a prophetic dream a few days ago, and it was so powerful, and um, it just, like, motivated me even more, and just just made me feel that much more driven for what we're doing today. So, um, can you name one thing that is more important than parenting? Just think about it for a little bit and see. I mean an activity or a job. Is there a more important job on this earth that you can think of besides parenting? I don't think there is. So that kind of magnifies what we're doing. You are doing the most important job in the world. There is no more important job, okay? So let's really get that, let that sink in. Um, so I want to share with you our journey um, to just become parents, Jeff and I. It wasn't an easy journey. It wasn't what we were expecting at all. Um, but it is why I have such a fire and a passion in my heart for raising children and for parenting. So Jeff and I were high school sweethearts. He's back there doing the sound. Thank you, hon. You're so awesome. He, I mean, he made me eggs this morning, and, and he, like, brought them to me, and he was just, I'm like, thank you for caring for me. He's just so great. But um, so we are high school sweethearts. We got married when we were 20 years old. We were both just, like, raring and ready to go. I mean, we were just ambitious and driven and... I had a business um, that I started when I was 17 years old, a gymnastics and dance studio, and it was thriving. And um, Jeff was, you know, graduated 
top of his class. I'll brag on him a little bit from college. And he was in a bank and working his way up there. And we were just very like career oriented and we were Christians and we loved the Lord. Um, but that was our focus. Okay. And we were like, oh, we'll have kids in a few years and we'll have our family and everything. Well, about mm, probably six months into our marriage, we were newlyweds, I started getting really, really sick. And um, mostly it was pain, but I got to a point I couldn't even stand up straight. Like I had to walk like this everywhere. And um, went to the doctor, of course, and I'm like a healthy gymnast, you know, so this was very strange. And went to the doctor and they said, you have advanced stage endometriosis at age 20, that's not a good thing to hear at age 20. Um, I didn't know what it was actually at the time, but well, I did, I did know what it was, but I didn't understand what it meant by advanced stages. And they said, you have a very low chance of having children. And I'll never forget that night, laying in bed with Jeff and crying and just, how could this be? We're, we were going to have children. We've been dreaming about this since we were in high school, and we have names, and, you know, it, it was just devastating news. But at that moment, like never before, I had to start leaning. And I really want you to get that word in your mind today because we're going to talk about it more. But leaning is very significant. And I want you to visualize what it's like to lean. I really love to lean on Jeff's shoulder. It's like, oh. it is the most comforting feeling to me to lean on his shoulder. Like, I love it. And I know a lot of you probably are the same way with your husbands. And it's a very vulnerable position to lean on someone. Very vulnerable. It's not holding hands. It's not hugging. It's not... Um, even kissing, it's just like different. It's just like, I need you. I want to rest on you. You are my comfort. And that's what God started showing me is you have to lean. You have to lean. And it was a different type of relationship that I started having with God because I had no other option at that point. I knew he was in control. He's the one that opens the womb. You know, he's the one that creates us. He was in total control. And that was the first time in my life, like, I had a, a real reality of that. And so I started leaning a lot. <laughs> and, um, and that was a good thing. That was a good thing. And um, we went through a lot. I had several surgeries, um, a lot of pain. I um, lost three children. One was, you know, we had a, a graveside service, so I was pretty far along, and then I had another miscarriage, and then um, we lost another child through the adoption process. This child was given to us, and then 24 hours I had to give the child back. So we went through a lot of pain, a lot of pain. But in the midst of that, God also brought a lot of joy and he brought such blessings because we had Taylor. And that was a complete miracle because they told me later that they weren't sure how my womb ever carried a child. They didn't understand at all because when they took it out, they said it looked like a shriveled up prune. 
But, um, and they said, we don't know how you carried a child. And I'm like, she's a miracle, you know. And um, so by the age of 25, so this went on for five years. Um, I lost two children, had a child, had about four surgeries and lots of pain in like five years. So, um, and this is the first five years of our marriage, but we had a child. And oh boy, did she bring joy to us. So much joy. What a blessing she is. And um, then we went, we started feeling led. Even before I had my hysterectomy at 25, I'm not sure if I mentioned that, I had a complete hysterectomy at 25. Um, but even before that, God started putting on our hearts, you're going to adopt. And it wasn't out of a, like, well, we can't have any other kids, so I guess we're going to adopt. It was before that. It was like, I just knew it was going to happen. And then when I had my hysterectomy, to be honest, I wasn't devastated. I was like, we're going to adopt a child. Like, I felt that confident. And then we went through this adoption process, which isn't easy. Like I told you, um, we finally got a child. Um, we named her Madison Hope. And, and then we lost her as well, which was a time when I was completely brought to my knees. And I remember just yelling out to God. And just, I, I had never yelled at God before. I was like, please don't strike me with lightning. But you know how I feel, and I just can't help it. And I was just yelling and saying, God, why? How? Why? Why did I lose three children? Like, why does this keep happening? You led us to adopt. Like, why would this keep happening? And, and he just, he was just like, hold on. Hold on, baby girl. Like, you are going to get a child, and it is going to be a girl. Like, he told me that. And within a, probably six months, but at that point, I was just like, it's going to happen. It might be 10 years. Maybe someone's just going to drop this baby off on my doorstep. I mean, you've got to imagine the longing in my heart at this point after losing three children. Like, such a longing. But God needed to get me somewhere also. He didn't want to just give me a child to, like, as a Band-Aid for my heart. You know, he wanted to let me get to a place of where I trusted him and like I said, I was like, God, if it's 10 years, I'm fine. That's where I had gotten to. Uh, finally, I had finally gotten there. It took a long time, but I got there. And um, not long after I got there, we got a call. And they said, you have a girl. It's a four-month four month old baby girl, which I wasn't expecting four months. I was expecting a newborn. So I'm like, what are they doing at four months? I couldn't even remember. And they were like, you're going to, we want you to come get her today. And she started giving me all this information. And then I, after about 10 minutes of talking, I was like, I have no idea what you said. Besides, I'm supposed to come get a girl. Like, you're going to have to repeat all of this. Like, it was crazy. I mean, you cannot even imagine, unless you've adopted, what it's like to wait this long and lose three children and be longing for a child and have all these words from the Lord and then be able to go and hold this beautiful little four-month-old. You're told that day and then you have a baby in your arms that night. It is insane and it was amazing. It was the wildest trip I've ever been on, to be honest. Um, where are you at, Grace? I'm like talking about you, but there you are. 
And um, oh my goodness, she had like the rosy little cheeks and her hair stuck up off her head and her head was like bobbly like this. She was at that stage, you know, you'd hold her and she's like that. And I like tried to hold her back like this because I'm like forgetting what a four month old does. And she's like trying to sit up and I mean, it was so funny. And she slept all the way home. It was like, was it like a four hour drive, Jeff? Three hour drive? All the way home she slept. I kept looking back, looking back. And it, the, it, what was amazing is there was an instant bond. She never acted like anything was wrong, and she was just happy. And I just, I just know that was God. It was just God because that's not natural for her to just be like, oh, I'm with someone else now, especially at four months old. And she was, we never even noticed any distress in her. It was just amazing. And Taylor was like waiting at the door, like for her little sister. She had been looking out the window, I guess, for hours, like, or at least an hour or something, just watching all the cars waiting. And um, we didn't have cell phones then, so we didn't have all this like interaction going on. They were just waiting on us. And um, so, yeah, that's how we became parents. And um, obviously, I wanted to share this story with you because obviously, going through that type of thing, it like makes you understand the gifts that you have in a really profound way. I mean, you just understand. You just understand. It's not just like, oh, I'm pregnant. Oh, I have a baby. Oh, you know, I'm having a family now. And I know we're all like very thankful for our kids. And I don't mean to say that other people aren't thankful at all. I know that you are. But when you go through something like that, it does hit you in a really deep way. And like Taylor said, I wasn't raised in a Christian home for the first nine years of my life. My home, is, my home life was really unique. The first nine years of my life, my parents were hippies. And, you know, it was the 70s. And um, I was, I guess, their love child. I'm not sure. But anyway, it was, um, they were, like, they smoked marijuana every single day of my life for about nine years. For nine, I think it was nine years. Um, that was just totally normal to me. They grew it in my room. Um, it was like I would pretend I was smoking pot. Like as a little kid, I thought that was normal. You know, no wonder some kids couldn't come spend the night with me, you know. And I didn't understand this because I'm like, I'm nice. Like, why can't you come to my house? And then after a really tragic event, not an event, a tragic Thing that happened in our life. My grandfather took his life in my backyard. As a nine-year-old, I was very, very close to him. Um, of course, he was my grandpa. I called him Papa. It's extremely devastating. But I had a dream as a child a couple of days after it happened. And um, my grandpa put me on his knee. And he said, Tiffy, heaven is beautiful. By the way, just if you, I'm, not everyone that's committed suicide is in hell. Um, I used to believe that, and it's not true, because sometimes there's mental, there's a lot of emotional and mental things going on, and, and God just showed me that, and obviously I had a dream. My grandpa was in heaven. He put me on his knee, and he said, heaven is beautiful. You need to talk to your mommy and daddy and tell them to go to church. First time I ever had a massive encounter with God. I was nine years old. And I got up, went and told my parents. They started crying. And I remember my mom just falling to her knees. And, and that's what I, I just remember because I had never seen her fall to her knees crying. That stands out to me. We went to church that very Sunday to a little bitty country church. 
Um, uh, there was a man, he was a preacher there they had partied with, so they felt really comfortable going to this church. And um, so anyway, they gave their lives to Christ that day, and it was a radical transformation. Like, I saw it in my parents. It was so real. I mean, their lives were all about Jesus at that point, and my dad realized he had a gift for leading worship. My mom was a good, like an incredible gifted teacher. Um, they started going on mission trips to Haiti all the time. I'm like, my whole life was so different. I mean, it just went from, well, crazy town to we're trying to be Christians now and we're trying to live a life for Christ. So, but there was a lot set in place already for me. Um, so I had a lot to work through and it took a while for God to get me there. Um, you know, there was just a lot of rebellion in my heart already, even though I believed in God and I was excited and I loved going to church and all of those things, there was just a lot of issues because my parents, they didn't have a kingdom minded mindset when they were raising me. So it wasn't in a, in a loving, godly manner. They loved me very much and they did the very best they could, but obviously there was dysfunction there. So um, that's a little, let me pull this up here. That kind of gives you a little idea of, uh-oh, I'm bad with computers. So I didn't touch it, so it went away, right? Okay. Let's see here. Um, I think I got it. I think I got it. So I actually just shared some things with you I didn't plan on, but that's okay. The Lord, the Lord is leading. The Lord is leading. Um, Yes. So I just want to go back to the leaning. So I just to keep visualizing that is I feel like, um, you know, I don't think God like made all this bad stuff happen, but I believe that he definitely used it. He definitely used it. Um, I don't understand the mind of God. I don't try to understand it, but I trust him and I love him. And I know that he uses hard things for our good, and he definitely did that with us. He taught us to lean like never before. We developed a relationship with him like never before. We could hear his voice like never before. And um, we also had an appreciation for the gifts that we had been given. And we also were leaning in the way of like, God, we don't know how to do this. Like, please show us. Because we know that these daughters that you've given us are gifts and they're so special and we know that they're yours and we know that we have to raise them up to give them back to you we have to raise them up to give them back to you and we're like God how do we do this how do we do this so we had to keep leaning we had to keep leaning and he taught us there were of course things in our childhood that were wonderful that we took with us and that we used but there's a saying that Jeff and I love, and it's called, and this is how it goes. Um, their ceiling, their ceiling was our floor. So we got to start at their ceiling where they became Christians. We had Jesus. Thank you, Mom and Dad, that you turned your lives to Christ. And I got to see that radical transformation. So we got to start there. And now my kids get to start at our ceiling. And it goes on and it goes on and it goes on. And we should want that as parents. We shouldn't be like, well, why don't you do it the way I did it? 
you know, I, I'm just so good at this. Like, why don't you do it that way? You know, I want my kids to be better parent, parents than we were. I want them to gain more wisdom than we have or that we had. I want that. And so you don't need to feel guilty or um, you just don't need to feel guilty that maybe you do things a little bit differently because this is the way the Lord's leading you. And I just wanted to make sure I got that out there. Um, let's see here. So, oh, goodness, I need a few hands here, a few more hands. Um, so, this is um, a phrase that God brought to me while I was preparing, and it's raising royalty. So, we talk about raising kingdom kids. And he just kept speaking royalty to me ever since we were in, I in Northern Ireland. He's been speaking about royalty to me. And he told me, like, we are raising royalty. And a lot of times we're like, oh, I'm just going to, we're just going to raise a good American Christian kid, you know. That's great. But there's a different level here that God has for us. We are going to raise royalty. Think of what that is. If you were in a palace, and you were, I guess, the queen, and your son was going to be a prince, how would you raise them? And it was, we'll pretend it's a Christian kingdom, okay? How would you raise them? It's pretty important, because they're royalty. You know, you're not going to allow them to be watching trash. You're not going to be, you know, mean and angry with them all the time, so they grow up and be a mean and angry king, you know, it really, if you really think about that and visualize that, to me, it's like, I could just like say, okay, see you later and walk out right now. Because if we can just make that our goal and really see it and really understand it and really believe it, that's it. And then just pray. Okay, God, help me raise royalty. And when you look at your children, you need to think of them as royalty. And guess what? You are royalty. We have to get to where we know who we are. So, God, I was kind of like, okay, God, so how do I teach all this stuff in this little bit of time? And what do you want me to teach? And how do I teach them to raise royalty? Because that's kind of like a big thing, okay? So, he gave me this, he's so good. He gave me this vision of a door, a big, beautiful door, kind of like a castle, um, and there were six keyholes. And he said, the door is the kingdom. And the six keyholes are their hearts. That's their hearts, the children's hearts. They stand for their hearts. Okay? But there's six, not just one. Hmm, that means we need six keys, right? So he showed me six keys. And they all look completely different. Some were like ornate, some were bigger, some were prettier, some were plain, some were boring. They were just like different ones, six of them. And he said, these are the keys to their heart. And I want you to teach six keys to their heart so that they can go through the door of the kingdom. So what we're going to do is we are going to talk about those keys. And there's a lot of information um, 
in these. So this is where the rapid fire starts coming in, okay? Uh, so I just need a volunteer. Anybody? Jill? Okay, come up here. And I want you to open this. This is our first key, okay? Doesn't that look royal, kind of? Yeah, Jeff stained those again. So go ahead and take the key out and tell us what it says. Prepare. Prepare. Okay. We'll just put that down there. Thank you, Jill. I'm going to let you see the key, too, because I made sure that they all look a little different. That one's kind of like copper, and it has a little fancy scrolly thing at the top. Looks like, well, maybe it kind of looks like a flower. So, okay. So, now we're just getting down to the nitty-gritty and just teaching, okay? Um, so, prepare. So, we got to get prepared in several different ways to raise these royal, to raise royalty, right? We can't just be like, yeah, I can do that. I mean, we got to get prepared, all right? And if you're already raising royalty, it's a continual preparation. It's continual. It's not just like a one-time thing, okay? So for if you haven't had children, this is really going to, like, I think resonate with you because it's like, oh, I need to get these things in order. If you do have children and you don't have some of these things in order, it's okay. You don't have to be perfect, all right? We're, this, is, this is like what we're reaching for, these things. We want to try to do these things. There's grace, okay? But it's just an area where you can be like, oh, I need to get stronger there. So we talked about our ceiling is their floor. So let's see here. What are some ways? Okay. The first thing is prepare for wisdom. Okay. Prepare by seeking wisdom. That's the first point under prepare. All right. So we have to have wisdom. Now, there's different ways to get wisdom. We can have books. We can watch, pod, we can listen to podcasts, um, listen to teachers, all of those things. So there's a lot of ways to gain wisdom, and that's important. You need to do that. But most of all, we're going to get our wisdom from God. And I just want to read this scripture. If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God. And I'm pretty sure we all lack wisdom. So we need to keep asking God. Keep asking God. It's amazing. He will show you. And the thing is, like, Taylor was six and a half when we got Grace. And I'm like, we're doing pretty good at this thing. Like, well, actually, some days I'm like, I'm going to lose my mind. Like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. But I was like, I think, you know, we have some things figured out. We've had a kid. She's six and a half. She's doing pretty good. And then Grace comes along, and she's totally different. And it's like, what? Like, <laughs> She doesn't respond like Taylor, you know. And so it was kind of like starting over. So again, it was like, God, I need you. I'm leaning, God. I need you. Resting on him, asking for his wisdom, super important. So he is the one that prepares us for, by, seeking, by seeking his wisdom. That is one way we're prepared. The next way is prepare by growing up, 
okay. Sorry if I step on anyone's toes. I'll try not to, but we have to grow up. We cannot be parents if we are in like super immature. We can be, but it's going to be an issue, okay? And some of us aren't as mature when we get to that age because we haven't been raised in maturity. We haven't been raised to be mature. We've just like sat and maybe in front of a TV our whole life because your parents didn't have time to deal with you. So you're like trying to figure everything out. Some of you have been propelled into maturity really well, but all of us have places obviously that we need to mature. So that one of the first things is identity. Like we have to figure out who we are. And this is hard sometimes. I mean, I've struggled with it. Um, I think all of us struggle with it. But we need to go to the Lord and say, God, help me know down deep inside that I am royalty. Like just keep asking the Lord for that. Keep speaking it over yourself. I am royalty. I am a daughter of the king. And truly look at the big picture. You know, um, all of the things that Satan tries to throw at you, all of the lies, all of the lies, you've got to speak against that. And you've got to start knowing who you are. Um, and you also can't just be who your parents want you to be. You have to be who God wants you to be. So really, you know, if you're leaning on him, if you're um, drawing near to him, if you're abiding, this is going to happen. But you have to seek it. And you have to be aware of it. And it might even be good to ask people, like, do you feel like I have, do you, like, do you feel like I know who I am? Like, what do you see in me? You know, like start figuring it out. Like it's, it's, it needs to be a goal. Okay. And it, it's not something that I can just like tell you how to do. There's not like a rule one, two, three, this is how you do it. It's really just seeking the Lord and asking him, but knowing that that's something you need to do. So the next thing is spiritually, we need to grow up spiritually. We can't just keep drinking milk, right? How do we do that? We get in the word. It's live and active. You don't have to have the preacher teach you what the word is about. You, it's alive and active. God will show you. So grow up spiritually. Uh, of course, the other way is abiding, being on your knees, being in prayer. You have to slow down to do that. That's a part of maturity. You have to understand that you really need him. That's a part of maturity. Because honestly, if we're not praying, the root of it, is pride because we don't think we need it and you do need it okay because you're not especially I mean you just need it but you're not going to make it in parenting very well without abiding in the Lord and being connected to the vine so another way is emotionally you need to grow up emotionally so if you have some major issues from your upbringing go to counseling start figuring it out working on it Start digging in so that you don't um, just, you don't have all that yuck and that, you don't have as much yucky stuff when your kids come along, okay? So work on that, really push for that to be healthy. Um, and then there's just the typical things of growing up, you know, like just grow up, you know? Learn how to do things. Um, work, you know, don't be afraid of working. You can't just be on your cell phone all day. You can't just, um, 
whatever. I'm trying to think of different things that I see in this generation. Um, you know, it's it's a very self-absorbed generation. I see that for sure. And, um, you know, there's just a lot of immaturity. And it just seems like people aren't ready to have kids. It's like, that would be scary if you had a kid type thing. So you just have you just have to grow up okay and and realize in certain areas you might not be grown up so i'm not going to go into all the the uh air you know all the things that you need to grow up in but i think you can just ask the lord where do i need to grow up <laughs> um so the next thing is prepare by having a healthy marriage you are the example of marriage to your kids do you want your kids to have a healthy marriage? Because they're, they're going to struggle. If your marriage is not healthy, they're going to struggle. Because they don't have a picture of it. They don't know what it looks like. But you also just want to have a healthy marriage because that honors the Lord. You know, and we want to honor the Lord, but we don't want to bring children into a marriage that, you know, we're fighting, we're not agreeing on things, you know, that's, I mean, that's very stressful to a child, obviously, and very confusing. It teaches them how to even just interact with other people. So we got to get that figured out. And if you already have kids and you're struggling, go get marriage counseling. Go to some friends that you see that have a good marriage and say, please, like, teach us, show us. I mean, Jeff and I definitely, we never had uh, marriage counseling, um, you know, and we definitely struggled for some years. I mean, it took us a while. We were just, we loved each other so much. We were like always best friends, but we had really weird habits and we had like trouble communicating and anger issues and we were very competitive with each other, which is so weird, but we're both really competitive. So, um, and just some like things and we've talked about that like we just wish that we had a couple that came along by it, b beside us and just gave us some tips and some advice and really spoke truth into our life or like marriage counseling or something because it would have saved us a lot of pain and um we tried to we usually tried to hide like when we were aggravated with each other or whatever from our kids, but I'm sure there's been times that they heard us in our bedroom and they could tell like mommy and daddy aren't getting along right now, you know, and um, yeah, so work on your marriage, work on your marriage, um, prepare by, uh -oh. so good at this, so good at it, you can tell that I'm a grandma, right, um, let's see, Prepare by understanding your assignment. I think we've talked about that. You've got to get it. You've got to get it that you're raising royalty. This is not just for funsies. This is not just to make you feel good. This is not so, you know, you can have your dreams come true and have a family. Like, it, that is a part of it. That's awesome. That's like a byproduct. But the main thing is that you're raising God's kids. Okay? So get that in your head. And prepare, prepare through becoming disciplined. So that's a part of growing up. Um, that's something I 
just put in here, but um, you have to be a disciplined person to be a parent. So make sure if you're not, you start working on that. If you're like, oh, I can't get anything done. I mean, look at your discipline level. Are you getting up early? Are you putting your phone down? Are you on TikTok or whatever? I'm trying to think of different things. <laughs> reels, are you looking at reels for hours? Um, you know, just dip the things that you, you just have to be disciplined to be a parent. You have to be organized. You have to know how to get things done and that doesn't happen without discipline. And if you weren't disciplined as a child, you know, it's hard because you're not disciplined. You're not a disciplined person. So you have to start disciplining yourself. You have to discipline your flesh. And, um, you know, you can't just stay up all night long. You got to start learning. Like, no, this isn't, this isn't mature. Like, I'm not doing a slumber party every night. Like, this isn't mature. It's time to grow up, you know, um, and it's time to be disciplined. You can't just eat Twinkies all day long, you know, because you're not going to let your kids eat Twinkies all day long. So you better get used to not eating Twinkies all day long. Um, do you guys even eat Twinkies? <laughs> Is that a thing? Do you even know what Twinkies are? <laughs> Good. I'm glad you know what they are. Um, so, I, I, I honestly need someone to do this for me, I think. It's really bad. Because um, I'm trying to make it go down. Maybe it's the computer and not me. I, I doubt it. Okay. Sorry, guys. Okay. So, prepare through becoming disciplined. Prepare by planning. You ha it's good to get a plan in order um, financially. Like, can we afford this? I mean, obviously, if you get pregnant, you're not going to be like, nope, can't do this. Like, I don't have enough money in the bank. But, you know, just pray at that point, right? Um, <laughs> but if you can prepare in that way, that's helpful. Like, you know, it's going to be expensive. So use your brain and don't, like, just keep blowing your money. Don't eat out as much. Start saving some money back. Diapers are expensive. Okay, and so is college. So it just kind of keeps going. It just keeps going. It's never ending. Um, and that's okay because God provides. But you have to be, um, you know, plan financially. And if you already have children and you don't have plans financially and you're going under financially, like seek someone out that can help you, that can hold you accountable, like get disciplined and, and just get it together. You can do it. You can do it. <laughs> you can do it. Um, so, you know, um, what's some other things that we would need to plan? I'll let you guys, you got to be prepared with financial. I know there's more. I had more. Um, let's see here. Childcare. Yes, that's good. You need to be thinking in that direction. Like, do you want to be a stay-at-home mom? If you do, um, then you need to start figuring it out. How are you going to do this? Um, do I want to just work a little bit less? You know, even preparing for a job, like if you think I want to be home part-time with my kids or full-time with my kids, like find a job that you can do from home or find a job that you can do just three days a week or whatever. Like start really thinking about that. 
super important. Um, if you know, you know you're going to work full time, try to find a job that works really well with being a mom, like that doesn't exhaust you so much that you can't parent when you get home. Um, or one that's like, you're off in the summers if you're a teacher. Like there's some different jobs that are really helpful in parenting. So, you know, try to lean in that direction if you're going to be a parent. Because um, I don't believe that moms that stay at home are better moms than moms that work. Absolutely don't believe it. I believe that moms that work full time are more tired and more exhausted and maybe not as happy. That's what I believe. So, and some can do it. Some can, you know, spin it around and do the whole thing, but it's hard. And I did it for a really long time. I had my own business, like I said, for 12 years. Um, it was crazy. It was like a really large gymnastics and dance studio. We competed all over the United States. It was an insane, crazy business. And when you have a business that kind of owns you. So I started longing as soon as I had Taylor. I was like, what have I done? Like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? Because I want to be with my child. But before that, I'm like, I can do it all. And then I had this baby and I'm like, oh, I don't want to leave her, you know. And but it worked out really well because for a while, because Jeff kept her in the evening when I taught and I had her during the day and he would bring her to the gym and, you know, it was a good little life. And then she went to school at that time. Homeschooling wasn't even thought of only like the Amish did that or something. So <laughs> it was like seriously not even a, a consideration. And there were um, so it was like she was coming home from school and I was going to work and I'm like this isn't going to work, God, like, we got to figure, just please help me figure this out, but we owned this building with all this equipment, I had, like, 15 teachers and hundreds of students, it wasn't something you just, like, I'm done, see ya, like, it just, you couldn't, so I was very, very, like, trapped in that for a while until God released me in his powerful, amazing way, um, and I guess I could share that, but I'm not sure I was going to right now. Let's see here. I just don't want to get off track. Um, so prepare by planning. I was going to share it. Okay, here we go. So um, I need a drink. I am not a professional speaker. Okay, so I told you I had this business. Um, I was praying, God, like, help me figure out how to, like, do all this, juggle all this, you know. Because I really did love my business, actually. I loved it. I loved my children. It was a great opportunity to minister. God really used it in some powerful ways. Um, and it provided, you know, there were so many good things about it. But I just longed deep in my heart to stop the rat race. I just wanted to be a mama. Like, that was just my main, that was the main thing in my heart. I'm like, I, I have these children, and I'm having to leave them, and I want to be with them, and that type of thing. And not long after we got Grace, um, Jeff came home one day, and he said, hey, I have an opportunity for um, an office. He's a financial advisor. And he was with a company that had like offices all over the United States. And at the time, he was kind of like a second, if 
financial advisor to the top financial advisor. And he was like, there's an office. It could just be mine. I'm like, oh, great. That's awesome. I'm like, where is it? And he's like, Tennessee. We lived in Illinois. Okay. I was like, okay. And so where, like, like, when do they need to know? Because, like, we own a business. Like, how's this going to happen? I'm just like, why is he even telling me about this? It was, like, actually making me mad. And he was like, uh, two weeks. And I'm like, okay, well, you might as well just tell them no because that's not going to hap happen. I mean, it's not easy to sell a business like that. And uh, the next day I was praying and God said, you need to listen to your husband. I mean, and it was like a strong word from him. And I'm like, okay. And I knew what he was talking about. He was talking about that. I'm like, God, I don't understand. Like, but God, I, you know, I'm like, sorry, God, but I don't get it. And he laid out, it was the most amazing thing. He like gave me this business plan type thing to sell my business. And he just said to me, go to these two women so there were two women that lived about two hours from my gym, and they had gyms. Their gyms were about half the size of mine, but they were very ambitious women, really good coaches. And he was like, go to both of them and offer. Tell them you're going to sell your business and tell them both that you're, offering, you're gonna, that you're offering it to just them two and at the same time, and whoever comes back to you first gets to buy it. And I was like, because I always thought I would just sell my business to one of my students because it's my baby. Like, I'm going to give it to one of my students. They'll teach the way I taught, you know, that kind of thing. So this was totally out of the realm of anything I had ever considered. And I was like, that's a pretty good idea, God. Wow. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and he, like, showed me that they, you know, this would more than double their income. You already have all the teachers in place. Like, they're going to jump on it. That's kind of more or less he didn't use those words. But I knew that that's what God was showing me. And, I mean, in obedience, I told Jeff about it. I'm like, what do you think? He's like, go for it. Do it. So, like, the next, I think, day, maybe. Uh, didn't pray on it very long, did I? We only had two weeks. So, um, I called both of them, and within 24 hours, they had both called me back and wanted the business, and I sold it to the one that called first. So within, we got Grace on March 30th, and by July 4th, we were in Tennessee. Crazy. I mean, I owned this insane business that I thought I could never sell, probably, until my, one of my students bought it. And I was at home in Tennessee, course we moved away from our entire family um that was hard but I was so willing I'm like whatever I'll move to Africa if I have to like I don't care I just want to have a peaceful life and so we went to Tennessee and I have my new baby and my six-year-old and we're I'm staying home and I went from being this boss mom or whatever you want to call them call it to like a stay-at-home mom and um it was amazing, and we were super, like, broke because I sold my business for what I owed on it, which is crazy because that's another thing I felt like the Lord was saying, like, no wonder they jumped on it, right? Um, but it didn't matter. Money didn't matter to me at this point. I could have made a lot of money off my business, and so money, you know, he was starting a business, so money was starting to run out, the money we did have. And so we were just living on a budget, like big time, living on love. We were just 
having a, a great time, weren't we, hon? It was great. Um, and we're so thankful, and we were definitely supposed to be in Tennessee. So the reason I tell you that is um, defer to God's plan. Because we had a plan. We were even going to, believe it or not, my plan, this was my plan, okay? Build a larger building. We already had the land, like, picked out and everything. Build a larger building so that we can have and get more teachers so that we can have more classes going on at the same time and then I don't have to be there as much. Then I would have had more teachers to care for, a bigger building to care for that I probably would have never sold. So defer to God. Defer to God, and he will do crazy things. Um, yeah, it's amazing. So the other last thing that I want to talk about preparing is prepare to sacrifice. Oh, boy, do you sacrifice as a parent. Um, what are some ways parents sacrifice? I want you to just, like, throw it out there. Sleep. What else? What would you say? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't have that chill time, huh? Yeah. 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 Another reason why you got to be disciplined and ready, right? But it's sacrifice. It's big sacrifice. Anything else that you, like, your body, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your figure might be a little different after you have a baby, right? I was so shocked when I looked down after I had a baby in the shower. I'm like, wow, you know. But it does go back pretty close to normal, just so you know. Yeah, you don't have time to, like, visit your friends. And Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, like, and when you're with friends, it's like, that wasn't really a conversation, right? It's like, I don't even know what we just talked about because you have your kids running around and they're, mommy, mommy. Yeah. It, that's really hard though. That's really, really hard. Yeah. What else? That's good. Yeah. So you're saying like um, some of the friends that don't have kids, they may not want to come over to your house as often. Because they're like, that's a crazy house, right? Yeah. Yeah, it does. That's a sacrifice for sure. Anything else? <sighs> oh, yeah. Privacy. Yeah. I remember going into the bathroom sometimes and just like staying a little longer than normal. You know what I mean? For my privacy. Jeff's like, are you okay in there? I'm like, I'm fine. <laughs> and we didn't have cell phones back then, so I wasn't looking at my cell phone. I was just like, oh, Lord, I'm just going to rest here on the toilet, right? <laughs> so privacy, that's good. So time. Yep, yep. It ends up revolving around them, that's for sure. Yeah. That's good. Oh, yeah, because kids need clothes every year. So you're like, well, I don't have any money for clothes now. What? 
Every season. Every season. Yeah, and you have to organize their, go through all their seasonal clothes. There's a lot of new jobs that you've never had to do before, for sure. <laughs> yep. Wrinkled and dirty. Mm-hmm. You're probably not going to look so glamorous all the time, right? Anything else? Food. Oh. Yes. Yes, and also, like, you never sit down at a meal peaceful. It's like, it's so amazing when you get, like, an opportunity to just, you're like, I'm eating without a child. And you're, like, looking for the child. You know, it's, yeah, it's a lot of sacrifices. So you got to be ready for that. And it's amazing how much moms and dads can sacrifice. I'm so blown away by it. Like, how much we can sacrifice is pretty incredible. We don't realize we can do that. We're like, hey, let us just stayed up all night long, and I didn't even mind because I love them so much. You know what I mean? It's, like, incredible. Um, but then sometimes, you know, I just think we got to be prepared for that. Like, but it's amazing at the same time. There's so many good things. Like, I'm not trying to scare people off, okay? I don't, that's not the goal here. But I did want to talk a little bit about that we sacrifice, but sometimes maybe we're like, oh, I can't believe I'm doing this again. Like, you know, maybe we're grumbling, complaining. They might not even hear it, but we're feeling it, you know? So that's when we really, if you might be like, maybe I haven't been leaning enough because I'm really feeling grouchy right now, you know, because it is like, it pushes you. It pushes you, and you need God. Like, I remember one time being outside by my car in the driveway, and the kids were, like, playing around, and I was like, this has been such a good day, God. I just remember this so well, and I'd had a really good prayer time that morning, and I had been very sporadic lately with my prayer times at this point. I think Taylor was probably like, I don't know, Grace was probably like three, so Taylor would have been like nine. We were like homeschooling and things at that time. Yeah, yeah. The Lord led me to that later, and I was like, what? Only Amish people do this. And and I like listened to it. I was like, he like, oh gosh, he would. he was relentless. And I was like, okay, God, I'm going to do it. I wasn't even that great in school. So I was like, I hope I don't mess them up, you know. And it was amazing. And I'm not, I'm not saying everyone's supposed to homeschool. But I, that was another way he led me that I would have never imagined. Um, so what was I just saying? Because I just got off track. Grumbling and complaining. Um, yeah, we just have to. Huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a beautiful day, and I'd had a prayer time, and God was like, I was like, this has been such a good day, God. I remember even saying that to him, and he was like, you can't do anything without me. But he kind of said it like that, and he was like, when are you going to learn that? And I'm like, you're right, God. Like, I, I suck. Like, I mean, that's just kind of what I thought, and I was like, I have to have you. I do, and it is so much better when I lean on you. So, joyful heart, try not to complain, but if you are feeling really crabby, 
it's probably because you haven't been leaning. All right, next box. How are we doing on time? Okay, next box. Anybody want to volunteer? Abby, come on. I just saw you. I'm just going to call you out. Protect. Awesome. So this key looks a little bit different. All right. Remember, go ahead and put that back in there and you can just set it down there. Thank you, Abby. Remember, all the keys were different. They all look different. They have different cuts on them. So the door can't open without all six keys. And you might like one better than the other or think one's prettier than the other, but it doesn't matter what you think. All of these keys have to be used to open that door. So protect. Protect by keeping them from physical harm. That's pretty. Everyone knows that, right? Yeah, we have to keep them from physical harm. Um, they do not know harm. They don't understand what harm is. So that's a pretty natural thing for most parents. Um, but what I want to kind of go, where I want to go with this is there's a lot of fear in that area because kids are in danger a lot and there's just a lot of danger around us. I mean, there's probably several ways just in this one room a child could get hurt, you know. So we have to, you know, realize that God is our eyes for our children. Of course, we're going to be diligent and we're going to watch our children and we're going to do our best. But think, you know, they're going to get hurt sometimes. That's okay. They might even break their arm. They might even break their leg. You know, um, they might get sick. I've experienced all those things with my kids, even like severe illness, you know. Um, but know that God has it. He has them. They're his kids, and you have to just let that fear go. Um, yes, be cautious. Be very cautious. Take good care of your children. But don't constantly live in fear that something's going to happen to them. Um, and I, that's an area that I really struggle in. So I definitely wanted to talk about that. And it's an area that the enemy has really attacked me with. And I, I, I'm, I'm like in counseling and I am talking about that. You know, it's not what I always talk about, but it's one of the things we talk about. And um, I'm realizing that some of the trauma in my life, I did have some really, some intense traumatic things happen. Um, and that has, it's almost like I can't handle any more trauma. It's like I will do anything to not have trauma. You know, so I have a fear of feeling traumatized, if that makes sense. So God has been helping me figure it out. So if you have like a major fear and it's just like over you all the time, like maybe go to counseling, figure it out, pray about it because knowledge is so powerful, Jill. When you know why it's happening, then you recognize it and you're like, oh, I'm doing that again. And that's why, you know. So um, I just kind of wanted to share this story just so you know that when you're leaning on God, um, he is your eyes and he used to do this with me and it really amazes me. Uh, it, it just amazed me. Like when my kids were sick, he would wake me up out of a deep sleep and I wouldn't know they were going to be sick. Okay. He would wake me up and I, when God wakes me up uh, for me, 
it's very quick. I'm very alert. And I'm like, <gasps> I usually like take a deep breath. I don't know what it is about that. But I would do that. And then God would say, Grace is sick or something. Or Taylor's sick. Or Taylor's being demonically attacked or something like that. I would just like, no. And I would go into the room and then Grace would sit up and start throwing up and I'd be there with her. Or he would like tell me Grace is sleepwalking and I'd be like, I wouldn't have hurt her. Obviously I was asleep and I would get up and I'd be like, she'd be downstairs walking around at six years old, you know, and we had like woods and a lake behind us and like that wasn't good, you know, and it, I mean, it happened several times. And, you know, pray for that. Pray that he will just help you to keep your kids safe because he will. He will. He is, he's watching them. He's watching them. They have angels encamped around them. So, all right, next thing. Protect through creating order in your home and lives. Um, it makes kids feel safe if there's order. I've never had struggled with like um, organization because I have ADHD and I can't function without organization. So that's just something I've never struggled with. But my sister has ADHD who runs in our family. Yay. Um, and she's the opposite. She can't get organized. She can't figure it out. And it's so hard. It's so hard on her. And um, it just makes her feel crazy a lot of times. And she just... Like, it, it's just a real struggle. So, you know, do your best to figure out how to be disciplined and get organized. And um, because it is chaotic for kids if they're like, I can't find this. And you guys are all running around and you can't find their socks and you can't find this because everything's just out of order. And they just need that for peace. Okay. So kind of try to work on that. I know we're not all the same in that area, but it, it is important. We're our... We're like, you know, we're running a ship as moms, um, and we have to, like, run it well, okay? So, um, order in our homes and in our lives. I'm just going to stick with that for that. I think that's, you know, order could also be, like, um, it's important to have, like, sleep times. Let's, let's just name some. What are some ways that, you guys, tell me, what are some ways that we can create order in our home? So we want our homes to be orderly, but what are other ways we can create order in children's lives? Cassie, can you think of any? I'm just going to, like, call you out, girl. I know you've got some wisdom back there. What are some ways that we can bring order? Can you think of anything? It's okay. I just, like, all right, never, I, I will call on you at, another point because I'm going to routine routine bedtimes yes 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 they're kind of in that place right now with the little ones realizing like routine is huge you have to have that with kids you can't be like eh, whatever we're gonna stay up till midnight sleep till 11 like that's not good for kids they need structure they need to learn discipline right Okay, so we need structure in our lives. Sorry, Cassie. I'll probably call on you again. Um, so, protect by being a diligent gatekeeper. So, you are the gatekeeper of your home, you and your husband. You decide what comes in and out of your home. 
and in and out of their lives. So you don't want, there's a lot of evil. I mean, I am like, I feel so sorry for you guys in the way that you have to fight this so hard. Because it's like, it was bad when we were raising kids, but it's so much worse now. So much worse. There's so much darkness. I mean, we may just have to throw our TVs away if we're going to really protect our kids. Um, Or have all kinds of, like, just only allow, like, certain little Christian movies and stuff like that to be on your TV. Because the thing is, they'll see images through commercials. Like, I've seen, like, homosexual stuff in commercials. And, like, we don't want those images going into their eyes, right? We don't want that. Um, So we have to protect them. I mean, I had David and – we had David and Daniel, my grandsons, at um, a pizza place the other night. And David was right in front of a TV. You know, there was, like, a ball game or – no, it was just, like – I don't know. What was on, Jeff? A cooking show. But I didn't know what it was because it was behind me. And I was like, what's on that TV? I mean, we can't trust the TVs that are out in public. Like, we may need to turn our child the other way. Like, there's a TV there. Let's turn them this way because we don't know what commercial they might see. I mean, I used to, like, when I would walk through the magazine, like, the magazine section at the store, I'd be like, "Mm, I'm going to turn that around. Like, protect your kids. You're the gatekeeper. And it is serious. It is serious. The world, Satan is trying to pull them in with just all these glimpses of all these worldly, disgusting, perverted, all of these things. So right now, if they're little, like, just protect their eyes from all those things. I mean, don't worry if somebody thinks you're weird. You know, I mean, I had to, like, okay, I'm just going to go there. So I don't really believe that you should have like witchcraft or anything like that in your life uh, because it's biblical okay so it's not just what I believe it's biblical um so Harry Potter is very um celebrated you know and it's all about witches and that's witchcraft and that's not what I wanted my kids to be like reading or seeing on a daily basis or ever um and so they were like reading it or watching movies or something in Grace's class and I, I told the teacher, like, I'm not okay with that. Like, she's not going to come to your class every day and watch Harry Potter. Like, we don't allow that. And um, Grace had to go sit in the hall every day. That was their way of insta- – I kind of hoped the teacher would be like, oh, well, if they really don't. Like, it's not that important. It's not like it's educational. You know what I mean? So it was like, no, we're going to watch this, so she's going to have to sit in the hall. But – I was, we had to talk to Grace about it. Like, Grace is a standing up for what we believe. Like, she learned a lot through it. It was hard on her, but we did it. So, that's what, like, you've got to be, like, relentless with protecting your kids. And that teacher didn't like me after that. And some people might not like me right now because I said that. Because I know that Harry Potter has a real pull. It it pulls, a lot of people like it. And, um... And I know that, like, obviously she's a great writer and what all, and I don't want to go there totally, but I guess I will. Um, So (laughs) it doesn't matter if if the writing's good and it teaches them to read and, oh, they want to read it. They want to read it because it's demonic and it's pulling them in. It's pulling them in. Okay? We have to protect our kids. All right? And we have to be, like, really serious about it. 
and listen to the Lord. And if you have, if you love Harry Potter, now that we're talking about it, and you might be mad at me, and that's okay, but I'm just speaking for the Lord. If you have it, get rid of it. Get it out of your house, because you're bringing demons into your house. Spiritual warfare is real, and they're drawn to that, okay? And there's a reason everybody's obsessed with it, you know? So, um, okay, so we're the gatekeepers. So protect by controlling the influence in their life. Coaches, okay? Just because your kid's a good athlete, if this coach is cussing and is mean and all of those things, pull your kid out. Pull your kid out. I've made the mistake of not doing that. I put sports as a god. I put it over at times in my life, over what was affecting Grace's soul. Don't do that. Don't make that mistake. We should have switched schools, honestly, is what we should have done. And we considered it. But we're like, oh, but she's making friends. She has her friends. And no, 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 no. it really affected her. So, and there's a lot worse. I mean, there's, you just have to be careful. Coaches have a lot of influence. Put your, find really good coaches. They are like kind, godly coaches. They may not be as good. Say your kids in dance, Okay. There's the dance studio that's, they're like the best dance studio. They compete. They're on TV. Who knows? They're learning to be little hoochie mamas over here. And then there's the dance studio that is godly. They're doing things to Christian songs. Their kids aren't really pointing their toes, and they don't really look that great. But my kid loves to dance, and she's having a good time, and she's with a Christian. You need to choose that one, okay? That's the kind of thing I mean by influence. Um, if you have a teacher that you think is doing something mean to your kid or like bringing a bad influence or there's a kid in the class that is like really, really bad and like saying awful things, like you need to deal with it. You need to go to the teacher and say, I don't want my child to sit by this child or you just need to switch schools. Like if it's that, I mean, a child's influence can be huge in a kid's life. Like, you don't know what they're bringing. You don't know what they're bringing from home and what they're saying to your kid right next to them. You know, so, um, yeah, wherever, whenever, um, watch out for the different influences. It might even be family. So um, you might offend people, but you are in charge of protecting them. So protect by loving, godly discipline. And we're going to talk about that later. Not just... Protect, protect by spanking those kids' butts. Like, no, that's, that's not the kind of discipline <laughs> that we're going to talk about today. Protect by loving, godly discipline. And we're going to talk about it later, but it protects them. It protects their heart because their heart is nothing but, well, it says in the Bible that our hearts are foolish we are fools when we're born. We're foolish. It's foolishness and also evil. Our hearts are evil. So discipline, God has put an or, a discipline in order that he's showed us what to do. And we're going to talk about it later after our break um, is what helps get that heart where it needs to be, our children's hearts. The next thing, protect by prayer and faith in your protector. So that's the biggest thing. And we've kind of talked about that already. But I would like someone to read Psalm 91, if you don't mind. So it's, 
Is there anybody that would mind reading that? Abby? Okay. So protect by prayer and faith in your protector. Stand for the reading of the word? No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> I guess I don't need to do that. <laughs> okay. Um, NLT version. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. He's our protector. Okay, so we have one more key before we're going to take a break. How are we doing, Taylor? You sure? Keep going, keep going. Okay, Grace, you want to come up and get this one real quick? We'll try to roll through this one faster. Oops, why did I open that? Because I have ADHD. <laughs> okay. <laughs> They've got to live with a fun mom, haven't you? <laughs> Direct. Direct. Oh, look at this key. This is a pretty one but it's no more important than the others, right? Okay, direct. Let's fly through this one, but show the way. That's what directing is. You are their teacher. Like, think about that. Like, you literally teach them almost everything. It's crazy. And if you don't, they're gonna end up being really dumb. So you need to teach them everything. Or they're going to be like, and if you don't spend time with them and like really like take moments to teach them, they're not going to know really neat things. They need to know really cool things, you know, understand things. They're not going to have confidence. It's going to really hurt them. So you have to take the time and you have to realize like you may not think this, but you're a teacher if you're a mom. You are a teacher. You're like the teacher. Okay, um, so 
that's enough there. We'll keep going. All right. So direct them by standing firm. So we kind of talked about that, but that is a way that we need to direct them or teach them. We have to teach them to fight the good fight. We have to teach them to be brave. We have to teach them to stand firm in what they believe. They have to see you do it. There'll be times, opportunities will come up where they'll see you stand firm, like Grace, with the classroom situation. There were lots of situations like that in our life, and we stood the line. We're like, no, we follow God. This is what we do. We don't care what the world does. We don't care what people think. This is what we believe, and this is what we do. So teach your kids to stand firm, because if they don't, they're going to get swallowed up. Direct them towards God. What I mean by that is kind of like, duh, we're Christians. We're going to direct them towards God. But what I mean by that is, like, every chance you get, just talk about God. Every chance you get, oh, God, didn't God do a great job making those flowers? Can you believe that he made all these flowers and they all have different fragrances? God is an incredible creator. Like, you know, just, I mean, I can't even think of other things right now, but it is so easy to talk about God with kids. Like, throw God in there constantly because they need to understand about God because we are raising royalty, and they have to understand who the king is, right? And they have to understand the kingdom because they're royalty. So we are teaching them through life constantly about God. We teach them through forgiveness when we forgive them, and we can talk about God and his forgiveness, Um We can teach them through, I know when we would see ambulances go by, what was the habit that we always did, Taylor? Yes. We didn't just like watch an ambulance go by. We were like, we need to pray for them. Somebody's really sick. It was an opportunity to do that. Like, look for the opportunities to um, to direct them to God. Okay, here we go. Um, Direct them towards their calling. Not, not your calling, their calling. But you gotta, you gotta like just watch them and start figuring out who they are because they're not you, and they're not their brother or sister, and they're not who you wish they would be. You know, like it makes me so sad. Like sometimes there's these athletic dads, and then they have a little a boy that's not an athlete. You ever seen that happen? And they're trying to make him an athlete. It's like, you know, that's not his thing. Like, you know, figure out what his gift is. He has gifts, and he's really special. Like, someday that will not matter. It will not matter if he can shoot a basketball, you know. Um, Like, figure out what their gifts are and help them find them what God put in them. Because God has a calling on their life, and you can't miss that. And so really encourage those gifts in them and it can be things like um like grace had a gift it was really noticeable when she was younger she like was very very drawn to people that had disabilities and she was super drawn to them and very compassionate towards them and didn't act like they were any different and it was noticeable as a child I'm like this is wow this is she didn't learn this from me I mean, I'll tell you that. Like, I'm not mean to people with disabilities, but it, it's not a natural thing for me, you know? 
Um, and it was for her. And I remember being like, I would encourage her in that and things and try to find opportunities for that for her. So there's not just talents. There's the gifts that God puts in them. Um, okay, direct them by highlighting the good stuff. So think of a highlighter when, oh my goodness, when I read books, I, I'm like, okay, I've literally highlighted the entire book. This is ridiculous, you know? Um, but you try to, you're like, oh, that's good. I got to highlight it, right? So kind of get that visual in your mind. When a child does something good, highlight it. But really highlight the important things, like when they're kind to their brother or sister or when they share or when they notice someone with a disability, or whatever. The things that are like godly character, oh boy, like go crazy. Like highlight it like crazy, encourage it. One thing that I learned in teaching tumbling is, because I, I, I was learned to be a coach, you know, and so I really learned a lot about like coaching kids and motivating them, and that's something that I've used as the Lord has led me to teach children in church. And it's like God has shown me, like, actually, when I left my business, I'm like, what do I do now? I'm not good at anything. And God's like, oh, no, I've got something for you. You know, and then later he was like, you're a coach, and you're going to coach for me now. And I've taught you to be a coach, and I've taught you how to motivate children. So one way to motivate children is by bragging on them and, like, you know, highlighting something. And um, so, like, I would have, say, a kid that they would, I would have to tell them over and over and over to point their toes point your toes they'd be doing their cartwheel like that like point your toes and you have to tell them over and over and over and then they would finally point their toes I would go crazy I would be like oh my goodness those are the best pointed toes I've ever seen I mean I would be like I'm serious like your pointed toes are beautiful like I would go on and on and they'd be like really you know, and they would never stop pointing their toes. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, they would like, I mean, it was like, it worked like that. It was amazing. And that's what we can do in life with kids. Like, don't just be like, oh, good job sharing with your brother. Like, you know, I'm so proud of you that you shared that with your brother. Like, obviously, every time they do something good, we don't have to do that. I mean, you know, that would be a little much. But you know what I'm saying. Um, so direct through example. That's the last one. So they, they're smart. We can tell them things all day long about Jesus and God and everything, but they see your life, and they notice it. They notice if you yell, and they notice, like, wow, mom's, like, kind of a, a yeller. Like, she's a little bit mean, you know, or whatever. Man, she yells at dad a lot. Like, they're not going to respect things that aren't godly like they have that inside of them they understand what's good and what's not good and yeah they're smart so we have to you know think about what example we're setting they they're going to follow also not always but a lot of times they'll do the things we do they'll say the things we say so be careful I hear lots of things now I'm teasing I don't. Funny things, actually. Um, but they do. They talk. And they'll also just say things. And they'll do things. And you're like, and sometimes you're mortified. And you're like, oh, I do that. You know, and that's like a, you know, a mirror in your face. But 
we authenticate what we're trying to teach them. Like, you can teach them all day long, but we authenticate it. So that's what I'm going to leave you with. Now we're going to take a break.